0: I'm Megan Armstrong and this is the 6 feet above podcast. 6 feet above was created when I started to share my story of spending 16 years wanting to be 6 feet under to now living a life full and happy 6 feet above. The more I started to talk about it, my struggles, my past, the more I realized that people were genuinely interested and not judgmental at all, which is what I feared for so long. And in fact, Other people wanted to talk about their story as well, and for some reason trusted me to do so. So the Six Feet Above podcast is my way of helping to share other people's stories, finding out what works for them to create a life of happiness. Before we start this episode, I wanted to let you know that it has some explicit language and some very serious subject matter. It may be triggering or sensitive to certain people. Please listen with discretion. So this episode is just a little different. I will not be the only host, so stick around until the very end where my producer jumps in to ask Heath a few questions from a male perspective. This is Heath's story. I am excited to have another male on the show because I feel like... Women are more emotional and we're more vocal about it and sharing our feelings and sharing our past and our stories. And I think it's a little bit harder for men um, to do that. And I think it's just the way society has raised us. And I'm kind of excited to be breaking that barrier. And I have with me a very special guest. His name is Heath Ward. Um, We've only known each other for a couple of months, but um, he's in the fitness community and he's one of the best personal trainers in Atlanta, if I do say so myself. And he's got a great story. So I'm like, <laughs> Heath, let's get you on. So hello. Hello,
1: hello, hello. Just
0: excited to have you. Excited to be here. Give me a little uh, background, what you're doing now, where you're from, you know.
1: Okay. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm doing now, uh, I am a personal trainer, fitness coach, health coach, and um, and entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, I live in Atlanta now, but I am from New England. Yep. Uh, so if my Boston accent comes out a little bit, that's, that's the reason why. That's
0: okay. I've got that upstate New York <laughs> accent. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but yeah, so I love coaching. I love teaching. I love training. And I just love connecting people and just building healthy fitness communities here uh, in Atlanta.
0: But fitness is, it's fairly newer for you.
1: Yes, it's fa- it's fairly new for me. I've been doing it for about mm, five or six years. Okay. Uh, I have like a ministry background and just like a corporate management background as well. But so, I, but I've still been dealing with people for a living and for a long period A long,
0: of time. Time, yeah. a long time, a long time. So day. tell me about your ministry background because, yes, it's very different than fitness, but it's still that helping people, you know theme. So what did you do in ministry? What does that actually mean?
1: So I worked at a big church in Atlanta. Uh, It's called North Point Ministries and uh, I was a high school groups director there and so I was responsible for training, coaching um, about 75 leaders as well as um, you know like a programming for high school students and pouring into the leaders as well as the students and things like that. So okay, um, and so our high school program on a weekly basis, we we brought in like 250 kids plus oh, wow. on a Sunday evening, and so we had camps, we had weekly programming. But my my major job was to train and coach, coach high school leaders to be able to effectively connect with high school students. Um, you know, uh, when it comes to Christianity and just building foundational friendships and relationships in these formative high school years they yeah. go through because a lot happens in those years.
0: A lot happens so, in those years. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, and before that, you were in the corporate world? Yeah.
1: Yep. So sales management, uh, pretty much my whole entire life. Okay. Um, you know, managing people, managing employees, that kind of thing. So okay. marketing sales.
0: So tell me about your transition from ministry full-time to fitness full-time. Um, what did that look like? How long did it take? Because I think you know, obviously, I have a theme here with all of my guests. They're in the fitness industry, but yeah. that's who I connect with. Right. Um, it's not the most glamorous. It, it doesn't pay the most. It is it is something that you have to really desire to be in, in and enjoy mm-hmm. to make it full-time. So you know, just for anyone out there that is interested in fitness, because we do talk a l- lot about it on the show, mm-hmm. how did you make that transition, and who did you really rely on to support you in that?
1: Yeah, let me back up a little bit. So I was just working in corporate America about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I got into fitness to, to begin with, with is, was because I had a high school student that uh, was having a hard hard time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he recently broke up with his girlfriend. And the reason why is because his girlfriend said he was overweight and fat. Like,
0: she said that to his face? Yes.
1: And so that I, that broke my heart. Yeah. And he's like, Heath, can you help me? And I was like, of course.
0: Okay, so you were working full-time ministry. So yeah, no, no,
1: I was, in, I was working. You were corporate. Corporate at
0: that time. Got it.
1: Um, And, you know, I'm, I've been in health and wellness my whole entire life. Yeah. Just, you know, having a sports background and things like that. I was like, yeah, of course I'll help you out. And uh, so I helped him lose weight. And I was like, you know what? Well, well, might as well make something of it in terms of getting the certifications yeah. and things like that. And so I started not only training him, but other students that wanted to just... Whether it's you know sports conditioning or sports training to get them you know ready yeah. for the upcoming football season or baseball season or whatever whatever it was, and uh, and then I you know by chance I just connected with some people, um, through my relation through my relationships yeah. and I started working at Elite Edge okay. uh, in the Chambly area and I was there for a couple of years and I was still just working in corporate and then I do a lot of volunteer work through my church. As well working with students yeah. and just you know atlanta mission and other different uh organizations in atlanta and uh, the church that i was i was attending and serving with with the high school ministry they reached out to me and was like hey you know would you consider working full-time for the church oh, and then i started okay. working for the church and i was still managing working in fitness so i was at it for, for a long period of time for about two and a half years i was working full-time at a Jeez. church and working part-time training, coaching, uh, teaching classes here in Atlanta, yeah. coaching people um, and it became just too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so finally in March of this year I left my uh, full-time gig at the church and went full-time into fitness and the transition has been pretty seamless because I already had a pretty, pretty strong network Good here network, yeah. uh, with clients mm-hmm. and it was a matter of just making myself more available and it's you know it's been pretty seamless but I, I, who I look to in terms of uh, peers and mentor, I would say like one of my best friends is Fred Smith, and mm-hmm. he's been in fitness for a while mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, so I, Fred and I worked him. at Flywell together when really? I first moved here. Oh, okay, yeah. that's right, that's right, that's yeah, right. That was like all six right. years ago, and so he's one of my good friends. So I kind of like, you know, when I kind of told him, like, look, I'm looking to uh go full time in fitness, and the only reason why is because I felt uh, I just felt called to like dedicate go all in and one of the one of the two things, and I could still minister to people, be relational, yep. and help people with um, their health and wellness physically but as well as emotionally and spiritually just as much as I could do working for a church.
0: I think that's what drew me to you is like, yes, you, you know, you're very in shape and you know what you're doing in the gym, but I think fitness is starting to kind of make this turn, For so long, it was like, let's post what we look like as a trainer (laughs) with our shirts off and our sports bras. And it's like, it's not about us as trainers. It's about the clients and the friends and how we make them feel and not just your time in the gym, but what you're doing outside of the gym, what you're eating, who you're hanging out with, what you're watching, what you're listening to. Like, it is all so comprehensive. And I think you get that. There aren't a lot of trainers that get that quite yet. Like hey yep here's your time here's what I'm gonna charge you we're in and we're out like everyone that trains with you they have a relationship with you Abs- yeah absolutely that
1: so I pride myself in just investing in my clients yeah you know, I want them so my goal you know is I want everyone around me in my sphere of influence whether it's a client or a friend or a loved one I want them to be healthy yeah uh, not just physically but right. like mentally and spiritually as well
0: absolutely um side note so the guy the kid that you helped lose yeah. weight. Did his girlfriend get back together with no, him? No, 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 no.
1: So, because I, I wanted him to be healthy for himself. That's amazing. Uh, he moved on. Um, to you know, had a, He has another current girlfriend right now. He's at Georgia State right now, doing wow. very well. He's uh, keeping the weight off. He's uh he's doing he's he's good. He's cool. you know, I have, cool. A, you know I have a great relationship with his family, so I check in with him every once in a while.
0: And it's like if someone doesn't love you for who you are, no matter what weight you are, then they're not they're not your one. They're not your one. That's okay, move on. Um so let's back up. You yes, fitness is is your um current job, but yeah. you're an athlete, just like I was, so I feel like fitness has been instilled in us since we were very young. We just worked out for a very different reason a long time ago, <laughs> right? So yeah. you were a college football player, yeah. went to BC. Went to BC, yeah. And, um, but you played in high school as well. What did you play in high I
1: school? I was uh, track, football, basketball in high school. Okay. Um, played a year in college. Um, academic demands. So I was like, I can't do this anymore. At so was, yeah, you Stop playing yeah. football. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I you know, sports has been a part of my life, my yeah. entire life, and just being competitive, but also you know, having that mindset of like just working hard and pushing yourself and everything.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to ask this just because I went through this when I stopped swimming and my career kind of went downhill. Mm -hmm. I struggled because I felt like I lost my identity for so Mm -hmm. I mean, I started when I was Mm -hmm. three, I started competing when I was five, I was swimming at nationals by the time I was 13. So my entire life was surrounded by being an athlete. So I felt like when I was no longer swimming, Who am I? What am I good at? Like, what do I matter? Am I valuable? Did you ever go through that? Or have you ever seen it with any of the athletes that you've trained?
1: Yes, absolutely. Most of my clients now uh, and in the past have been like lifestyle athletes where they either played collegiately or they played sports at some part of their life and where, you know, whether it's an injury or whether it's, you know, graduation or not panning out professionally, they have to like pivot, you know, and, and figure things out, you right. know? And so that mindset, um, of, wow, what do I have without competing and whatever I have of sports is, is definitely there. Um, and not just athletes though, but just like for just regular lifestyle clients. They just, they need to know like, Hey, um, there's other avenues for you in order to, um, compete or right. be healthy besides sports. And there's other ways to go about like life in general and finding purpose. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I have conversations when yeah. I'm training with, with people to kind of find out a baseline of where they're at in terms of, like, their mental makeup, in terms of, like, okay, are they content with where they're at? Mentally. Not mentally as well as physically. Mentally. And, like, what are you doing? What are the actual things you're doing in order to, like, maintain healthy relationships, have the right people around you? Right. And then the actual things like diet and health and all
0: right. that stuff. Are most people open to that? Like, they want to talk about it? They trust you enough? Or they kind of standoffish at first, get to know you, and then open up?
1: Some people are standoffish at first. Some of, sometimes I get clients that are refer, referrals from other friends where mm-hmm. they're like, he's he's, um, he's good at what he does, mm-hmm. um, but he's not just a trainer like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, you should connect with him. And yeah. then, so they're more like their guards down a little bit. But I feel like I have a, I'll say, I feel like I have a gift of like, you know, get, having people open up a little bit uh, over the course of time uh, so I could learn more about them and I can help them.
0: So you're right about the game. <laughs> I'd agree with that. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. So now we're going to get real. So yeah. that was all just, you know, uh, fun and fluff. But no, really. Um, we sat down, had coffee a couple of weeks ago. And, and, you, if, and this is, from looking from the outside, like, no one knows what you went through. No one knows your story. No one um, understands why you are the way you are now until you start talking about it. And I am so incredibly proud that you're going to talk about this because we need to. Men need to, especially. Um, You were uh, abused growing up. Yeah. Um, And that's hard. I feel like that's a hard thing for a guy just to say. Yeah. Much less have a conversation about. So let's back up. Your childhood, you're outside of Boston, um, you know, your parents are married, but what's Still going married. On? Still, married. <laughs> still
1: married, 40 plus years. So
0: what's going on between their relationship and then between what happened with, with you and your mom? Oh yeah,
1: so in my preteen years, uh, my dad, um, he went through, uh, he battled cancer, he went through a, a big time cancer battle, and that was hard in our family because mm-hmm. he was like, you know, the only person working when he was diagnosed with a... Right. Uh, inoperable brain tumor some years ago and put a lot of pressure on my mom to kind of step up and work um, and she just um, didn't handle it the best Mm -hmm. and she'll at that time she wasn't diagnosed yet but now she's been diagnosed as like bipolar depressive uh, and and depression suffering from depression and so uh, I as well as my sister have one sibling she's like 11 months younger than me we had to deal with a lot of physical and mental and emotional abuse from my mother during those years uh, when my dad was battling cancer and he was, wasn't was as present physically right. uh, as well as mentally uh, due to some of the stuff that happened after that with him. Um, so she she uh, she broke a little bit. She broke down a little bit, but also yeah. kind of we, we suffered the consequences of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So was that mostly probably from the, the stress? I mean, had any of that occurred before he had no. cancer?
1: No. You know, some things you just don't, know it's there until like it's a trigger right Right, and so the the trigger was oh i have to provide for my family i have to step up as a essentially a single mom right and deal with the pressures of life as well as um you know do my best to to provide for you know uh two kids yeah uh when my husband can't
0: can't do it can't do it do you know if she experienced any of that growing up
1: yes Part of this whole story is that you know, um, through uh, healing, restoration, um, you know, to the present. Like I've had plenty of conversations with my mom to kind of discover some things about her relationship with her mother mm-hmm. and her parents when she was growing up, to the reasons why she's she is the way she is.
0: Which doesn't make it okay, but it's like, yeah. oh, now I get it. Now I know why you mm-hmm. did that, because that's mm-hmm. the way you were treated. Right, right. So did you find yourself kind of having to step up to be the man in the family, protect your sister?
1: Absolutely. You know, so growing up, having to protect my sister, whether it's in the house mm-hmm. or in school, um, you know, I don't. they're listening to me right now, but I am an African-American male <laughs> and I grew up in a predominantly, you know, Caucasian yeah. white area. And it was hard growing up, yeah. you know, uh, especially... Uh, our family dealing with some of the things we're dealing with, we kind of, you know, um, our it was financially tough, yeah. And So we went from a certain status until until we was it was really rough growing up.
0: So you had to move out of the house. Move um, out of the place. house,
1: yeah, you know. So you know, we we're pretty. We started out as like you know upper middle class, yeah. and and then it just things changed once mm-hmm. uh, my dad went through what he went through, and my mom was just the sole provider, and so we had to deal with a lot. So just dealing with things at school, dealing with things in the in the house. Yeah. Uh, It was really challenging in my my preteen and teenage years when I was uh, growing up in middle school and high school.
0: So that went on for several years Mm -hmm. with your mom? Yeah. Did anyone else know about it?
1: Oh, not really. You know, my my sister was protected to a certain extent because she was younger. Right. And my dad just wasn't his present. He didn't know what was going on. Right.
0: But uh, you never told like a counselor or a teacher. No, or anything? no. The
1: counselor. What's a, who could afford a counselor? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, like a school a school counselor? School, yeah. So right, I right. I
1: kept you know I kept things under wraps. You know, just kind of internalized a lot of things, and I believe a lot of truths about myself. Yeah. In those formative years, not knowing, you know, anything other right. than that. Right. Anything so, different. Like, anything different. This yeah. is
0: what I deserve, or this is just what right, happens. Right.
1: Yeah. So it's a lot of a lot of uh, my. Um, my experiences growing up kind of helped me at that time. It kind of like, okay, this is how my self-worth and Mm -hmm. confidence and, you know, self-esteem was all built off of all my experiences growing up, you know, especially when it comes to like dating and relationships and things like that with with the opposite sex. And so that plays a role uh, when I got older. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what happened when you went to college? Was she... Obviously, you go away to school, yeah. and when you come home, has has the dichotomy changed? Your father got better. At my some father point? got better.
1: Okay, um, but I didn't really want to go home. And my dad, you know, he knew there was like a huge rift and divide between the relationship I had with my dad versus the relationship I had with my mother. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of times, I tried to explain it to him, but he, he just didn't understand. He didn't get it. And um, but I didn't really want to go home when I was in college, really? just because I just I just wanted to kind of distance myself from my mom as much as possible
0: and he he wasn't receptive to it or didn't uh, like when you say mom did this to me growing up or well, I did never, you come I, out and say that
1: uh I said I said at some point like you know you know dad you know how mom is mm-hmm. but I didn't go like I didn't deep dive into like some of the stuff I experienced you know when I was younger Do you
0: think it's because you didn't want to burden him with more than he had already dealt with
1: I think that may be true. Yeah, you know, because uh, my dad's been through a lot. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, I didn't want to burden him with like anything. Just stuff. gonna man up and yeah, do this yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it wasn't that. It's not. That's not something that was learned. Like you know, you don't talk about stuff. It's right. more so like I didn't want to burden my dad.
0: Whereas now, I mean, so we're talking twenty five years ago, right, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. around there. Nowadays, I feel like it would probably be more okay to talk about mm-hmm. um, because we are starting to talk about this stuff, but. You know, I was telling my story, and it's like this. This started twenty some years ago. Like it just wasn't yeah. talked about. So it's it's pretty um, interesting how far we've come in those amount of years, and the fact that you know we can open up and and have a candid conversation, and even with our parents now, candidly talk to them, and not to blame them or anything, but just to be like, hey, this is what was going on, and this is right the way I am now, and this is why I'm, I'm. my parents still haven't listened to my story in the first podcast. And <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I talked to my mom, and it, I haven't even asked her why, because I know why, Yeah. because I understand her, just like your dad. Mm-hmm. You know, you understand them, and it's like, oh, okay. So you, you went to college, didn't really want to go home a whole lot. At what point did you kind of say, hey, I gotta deal with this? Because it was starting to affect yeah. you and your relationships with women
1: i would say my mid-20s after like multiple failed relationships in the common denominator is what well, i just i just gravitated towards um females that didn't treat me right okay and it was because of a lack of self-worth and it was you know i, I just i tried too hard in relationships because i wanted to be validated by women yeah. you know and in yeah. an unhealthy way um Due to my experiences when I was younger, but I didn't connect those dots, and so right. uh, it wasn't until I <clears throat> I moved to Atlanta mm. in 2011 and I got super involved in my church, ah. and I was in a, a group, a community group with the you know guys like Fred Smith and other people, where I really kind of deep dived a deep, a deep dive into my faith, well, as well as like some of like the inner root issues that right. I was having as a man, uh, you know, that I was unable to uncover some things.
0: I know that y'all have these small groups, and yeah. I know what goes on with girls, but like, do guys kind of open up and talk about this stuff?
1: I think, I, th- I think men work better in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you get a group of people that are on the same page, they want to improve their lives, you know, whether it's spiritually or just grow in yeah. their faith or whatever, if you find the right guys and, and we work out well with numbers, I think we, we are, we're more vulnerable, especially when we start sharing stories. So the way we do it, you know, you, you share a little bit about your personal story and what if, what if everyone's sharing, it's like, all right, everyone's guard is down. right? Uh, and that's when people are more you know, apt to open up and, and share things.
0: And more so, likely to do around a group of guys versus right. a mixed group, men and women. Absolutely. Yeah. You that know, makes whenever sense.
1: you you know you have a group of guys, you put you put one female in there, it's gonna right. you know, it mess it up everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, I do want to rewind a little yeah. bit cuz you you did go through a hard time mm-hmm. in your in your mid late 20s yeah. with with alcohol and yeah. um a lot of just, drinking yeah. you know um the party scene and- party
1: scene a little bit yeah it's just like and it was it just wasn't me yeah. you know and uh and again I was like struggling to uh find happiness and joy through the, the wrong you know in the wrong way so yeah. yeah um like I said like you know my faith has been a, a big piece of my life where um, it's kind of helped me get rooted in terms of like knowing my self-worth mm-hmm. and you knowing that I'm loved by God and, and things like that. Or uh, without, even if I didn't have any reconciliation or, um, you know, deal with like, you know, my, my mom and I would never reconciliated. I knew I was okay and I was loved by, you know, my God. Yeah. You know? So like th- those kind of truths were, was very paramount in my healing
0: But I process. can imagine to feel like you're not loved in that way by your mother has to be... I mean that has to stay with you for a long time. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. So yeah. it's not it's not like an overnight type of yeah, thing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I bet. Did you yeah. confront her ever? Did you?
1: Yeah. So like when I, you know, I took it. I took some breaks off for of dating. You know, counselors yeah. and really kind of went full throttle into um, seeking out healing. Mm-hmm. Um, And then once I felt really good about all that, yes, I went back and talked to my mom and and like, hey, mom, I'm not asking for anything of you, but I just want you to share, I want to share with you what I experienced and let you know that already that I already forgive you.
0: What was her response? And
1: she was like, wow, like, I'm sorry. And I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, Well, I didn't know, but I didn't realize how much it impacted you. Interesting. Um, Because in the past, she's kind of like just brushed it off. Right. Um, Right. But yeah, we had that moment, and there's tears involved and yeah. things like that. But um,
0: is that yeah. when she opened up to you about how she was treated growing up?
1: Right. That's when she. You know, and, and again, that wasn't overnight. It was a, kind of like a right. slow process of having these uh, heart-to-heart conversations over a period of time, where you learn more and more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, our relationship is uh, super healthy now.
0: So, so now you do like to go home. I do like to go home. I was I was home yesterday. Okay. <laughs> just That's visiting just the, the, the folks and
1: things there. like that. Yep. Yep.
0: That's incredible. Um, So it's, I think that's something you said. It's a key point for anybody going through anything is it's a slow process to heal wounds of your childhood, teenage years, 20s, whatever it is. It is not overnight. And there are setbacks when you probably were on a really good, you know, for me, it was like, I'd be good for like a week or two. And then something would happen to kind of trigger me and, and, and set back. And then... It felt like you know, two steps forward, one step back. But there's always one step forward. Then, so in those mm-hmm. moments, like your faith obviously helped you. Yeah. Um, what else helped you? Getting getting into fitness again? Or yeah, I or- would
1: say that um, the bigger the bigger pieces that helped me were was, was a, a strong sense of faith. My community is mm-hmm. huge, and that's kind of like one of the pillars of what I do with fitness. Is right. like try to build so fitness community accountability in yeah. terms of like hey Heath are you Addressing this are you you know, uh, are you doing that things to stay healthy? Yeah, you know whether it's to talk to somebody whether that's to write things down Whether it's the community piece and just applying things that you know and you've learned over time in order to get your mind Right, right. Um, are you doing these things? But yeah, I would say faith community and accountability has been huge but also like yeah a lot of my um you know, I channel all my little frustrations or rage or whatever you want to call it, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's been fitness has been a big piece of that. That's your outlet, and my outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's been a, a, a healthy outlet at that. There's a lot of unhealthy way to do things out there. <laughs> Absolutely, no kidding. <laughs> and so, yes, I um, I uh, when I was going through this whole healing process with my mom, it went hand in hand with and getting hurt. You know, with, I tore my labrum in my shoulder, so I was down and out physically. And so, I kind of helped. I built myself back up physically at that time um, and kind of stayed the course. And so now I'm like, wait a sec, there's something to this whole yeah. physically healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy thing. Yeah. And uh, and so now I'm like, yeah, I want everyone around me to be be good in all three of those as well. So
0: And you, you were completely open and said yeah. that you've gone to counseling, you've seen a therapist. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. How long did you go for? I'm just curious.
1: Uh, for so when I was working at the church, as well as before that, um, they, they had like a, a vetted, you know, list of like great Christian-based, faith-based yeah. counselors that I could go and see, and I was like, yeah, sign me up. Um, and it's been great. You know? Did
0: you connect with a male or female counselor? Male. You I did. Could, yeah.
1: So I, I just due to my experiences, yeah. um, and I, I've always had a healthy relationship with my dad. Especially due to like what my experience with my mom, I've always been able to uh, feel more comfortable with men. Yeah. And that's, that's probably always going to be the case. Right. I don't know. Um, right. And so, yes, I felt more, um, I felt super open with the guy. The guy was great. Again, my, my counselor was great. So, like, yeah, he was he was good. He was a guy. So,
0: Did, did anyone know at the time that you were going to see a counselor?
1: Uh, I, saw, I told some people. You people, didn't? people in my small group knew. Yeah. You okay. know? Um, and I've since referred tons of, you know, tons of counselors out there to certain people. And, um, Again, if you get the right guys that are all about um, being better and mm-hmm. in, in, at life and in life um, in all those three f- phases, they'll be open to it. And I'm happy to talk to anybody, any guy that's struggling, you know, privately or publicly, right. you know, and encourage them to kind of like you know get help in different ways, right?
0: Because yeah. I think if there's this sense of shamefulness or they you know their ego they already feel down here so it's like and i'm gonna go talk to somebody about how bad i'm really feeling so they just don't go
1: right well sometimes honestly i feel like it takes a guy in order to encourage another guy sometimes that's how we work you know and i'll call them out on their pride you know yeah absolutely (laughs) you know like
0: like life's too short life's too
1: short man get right yeah you know go talk to somebody about it i'm here to listen but if you want some you know a professional opinion go see x
0: Continue to kind of struggle with female relationships you were pretty open with me about that yeah obviously still a work in progress
1: work in progress
0: how do you how do you go at it differently now than you did 10 15 years ago in your oh and
1: so now that I I feel like I have like a, a healthy uh, sense of self-worth and I know you know what I should put up with and not put up with right? in a relationship uh, I just have like certain just guardrails when it comes to like you know allowing people my life and so if it's not a fit I'm not gonna force it um I'm pretty intentional how I date yeah um and you know I have a desire to be married one day yeah. and um but i I just I'm just more re- relaxed and just not really uptight about the whole dating situation yeah. I, when it works out it works out um, but I'm not allowing anyone in my life that's gonna disrupt the health of me, you know, um, based on what kind of energy they're bringing into a relationship or potential relationship.
0: Right. I think that's so important because it's like, you don't need to be completed. You are complete the way you are. Right. You want someone to level up. Yeah. Like
1: I'm whole. Don't mess up. that. Don't mess it up. (laughs) Right. That's so
0: important for men and women to realize Mm like, hey, you don't need someone else just to just to, you know, you need a you need a good match and a good partner. Um, You don't need you're not missing a piece in your puzzle. And if you are, then you got to figure that out first before someone's going to come along and, you know, actually be right there by your side. I, I feel like, um, and we're both both Northerners, so mm-hmm. I feel like I, I can say this, but I feel like the South is a little different when it comes to dating and relationships. Like there's, a, there's this expectation to have it all figured out by the time you're like, 24, 25, 26.
1: Yeah, I feel like people want to settle down a lot
0: yeah. sooner
1: here. And uh, it's, like a, it's like a rush. Yes. Um, I just want to get it right. I don't care about how fast or how long it takes. Same. You know? Same. Um, just want to get it right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so what would you say... To someone that's maybe not, you know, in a church and uh, has a faith like you, Mm -hmm. but a guy that's going through some struggles, whether it be something similar to you or other issues, either depression or bipolar, Mm -hmm. you know, mental health issues. I like to just say mental wellness. Right. Um, How would you encourage them to reach out and, and start the conversation? And who do you go to and or what things do you do in your everyday life? To really stay mentally well?
1: Um, I'll I'll start off with the the last part you mentioned. So to stay mentally well, I would say that um, affirmations, Mm -hmm. uh, writing down um, truths about yourself that has nothing to do with like your experience and things like that, you know. Um, Meditation, prayer, um, but having like a set goal of, uh, a daily goal of, okay, say Three positive things about yourself that you know that are true. Um, that'll be a step that I would say that I encourage any guy to kind of like, you know, write down or yeah. jot down or kind of get in a habit of doing. Um, but if they're struggling, um, I want to know why. I want to like, I just want to, whether it's I'll, I'll grab coffee. Yeah. You know, I, I want to hear, once you know someone's story a little bit, and of course I'll lead the way, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll lead off with sharing my story. Um it helps to kind of know why someone is the way they are yep. um and just ask questions yeah. you know about you know who they are where they come from their experiences it sounds like for most people it comes down to those daddy or mommy issues right
0: right, right.
1: <laughs> um but i and i'm and i'm a, i feel like i'm a natural encourager mm-hmm. so i just like you know hey i mean i might not know this person really well but and you know, i see the potential pretty quickly in people yeah. um so just kind of like help encourage that person if they are if they have identified like a gap in terms of their like, mental or spiritual health or even their physical health, like, Hey, you could get to this place. Mm-hmm. Um, based on experience, here's the way, the ways I've, I've been able to right. do it myself.
0: Right. And it's slow.
1: And it's slow. And if you need more expertise out here, talk to this person, talk to this person, connect with, you know, let's we'll grab lunch, let's grab dinner. Yeah. Um, so yeah, either connecting with somebody else or myself, well, again, I just want to build relationships with people so I can kind of learn more before right. I kind of like go into like, the actionable steps of trying to help somebody. Right.
0: You know? It's like fitness. Like how do you change someone's body without understanding how it works first? Right. So understanding what they went through Mm -hmm. and why they are the way they are now Mm -hmm. to help them make these small little changes and I mean this happened to you before you were a teenager so how many years of that habitual thought process of "I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not right. worthy." Like, how do you break that cycle? Well, it's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be
2: overnight. Yeah. But
0: you've got to start thinking those positive affirmations mm-hmm. consistently. And you know, yes, there's going to be setbacks. But I love, I love what you said. Like, I'm gonna, I don't actually do that. Like, writing this kind, of, and even like the same three things, so that those are like forced into your subconscious, right? So they just become fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. That's a good, that's a good piece of advice. Um, But also, you know, really understanding that it's habitual. Yeah. So you need to be consistent just like physically. Right. You got to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, whether it's fitness or whatever, you know, like practice makes perfect in terms of the habitual things you do in order to strengthen your mind as well as your physical body.
0: And if it takes the rest of your life, then it takes the rest of your life to figure out and at least you're moving towards positivity versus – sitting over here in the negative side or, you know, playing the victim or yeah. placing blame. Like you might as well try to change it if you're not happy with the way something is. Right. right? Effort. 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 I love it. Well, you're inspirational. I'm so glad that you came into my life. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've been great. You're awesome. Well, I appreciate being vulnerable. Yeah. I think that's what it's going to take mm-hmm. to make a lot of these changes and, um, you know if you're not ready to do that yet that's okay but just kind of putting that you know thought out there in the yeah. world and opening up the conversation and using this platform to do to do so so i appreciate you being on this episode and i'm excited to see where your future goes thank
1: you so much you're your welcome
0: meaning. thank you
2: I've just realized as I get older, you start to, you know, realize kind of the the faults in the people you used to really, right. you know, hold to this, uh, put on this pedestal, pedestal I guess, yeah. right? And yeah. and so, you know, what, one of the things I realized was how much like aggression was a main form of communication in my family. That's not a bad thing. I mean, you know, it, it can be, it's great to get stuff done, yeah. Um. you know, but a lot of times, that's not the most effective way to articulate what you're talking about. It's definitely not a great way to get vulnerable, you know, and, and there was just so much aggression all the time that, that I just, I, I see to myself a lot too, you know, like usually, right. obviously, you know, when I'm working and stuff, I'm calm, but you know, when like, it just, it sucked to admit to myself that, you know, like my base state a lot of times is, you know, anger, anger. Or irritation right. yeah. or like, you know, pessimism and stuff like that. So I, I think it, it is hard for guys, at least right now, in my experience, to, mm-hmm. to find those types of communities that are, you know, smaller that where, where guys do open up. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, man, you know, let's just right. let's just do something else. Do something else. Yeah. yeah. Let's, just let's not talk about the real stuff. <laughs> let's not talk about, Yeah, exactly. Let's not talk about the real stuff. Let, stop exactly. Exactly. Because that's kind of what you're taught. Right. Like if you, if you have a problem, you know, scream it out, tough it out and push it down until i guess one day you just die or something I, right. <laughs> I don't really know what the end goal with that is but no it was it was interesting to, to hear you talk a little bit about the aggression specifically because in my experience aggression leads to isolation and
1: um and isolation is bad
2: <laughs> i say, yeah yeah I, you know i think i think people nowadays really try to um like gas up introverts in a, in a lot of ways yeah. and you know try to talk about maybe and and I, I am a very big introvert i mean i'm freaking out right now too just kind of being on the mic for more than 10 minutes but um it's just introvert there are healthy aspects of being introverted but a lot of times that isolation can just get you into your own head and i think that's what happens to me a lot of times where if there's no one there to like pull me out and be like D- you're thinking like crazy people it's right. not that people don't like you or like it, you just you need somebody else there to just kind of pull you out of that hole, you know. And, and I think that's something that I, I, uh, I, I've been dealing with. But but I wanted to know, did you ever have those experiences where you kind of got into your own head, or or you you started having these like very irrational thoughts that, you know, you, you knew weren't true, but you, it didn't matter.
1: Right. What, what, I th- I would say my my when I was most unhealthy it was when I was super isolated on yeah. my own. Uh, Acted on my own with no accountability or people checking on me, mm-hmm. and I, I was I was making some very very poor decisions in all aspects of my life because I was isolated. And I think by nature that men we were like kind of like more like lone wolves. Yeah, there, um, there's
2: that weird like you idealize that like I'm just gonna do this myself. Right. You know.
1: Right. Wrong. Right. Whatever. Um, yeah. As long, long it, as
2: you do it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. 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 And so yeah. it was yeah. more so like I like I knew I was like operating a very poor behavior yeah. you know um but it again it was pride yeah um that i was like man i can't i don't even want to let anyone know about what's going on with me right now mm-hmm. because i'm it's embarrassing um mm-hmm. but then when you get when you get really really low it, it came to a point in my life where i was just like you know what it's time it's time yeah i gotta i gotta switch some things up and because i'm in yeah. this on my own the only way I could think of getting out of it is by letting someone know. And that started with like close friends that I mentioned in the podcast, like a Fred and some other close friends I grew up with. Over, Hey man, this is what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And they didn't judge me. They were like, okay, um, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then that kind of helps the snowball effect of opening up when you don't feel judged by other men, but as well as like encourage me to talk to other people and so on and so forth. But it's like a, so if I could be a catalyst for that, for for more more men talking or sharing, so I could get out of that that uh, that aggressive state or the isolation state, I'm all for it. Yeah. Because I recognize it, because I've been there before. You got to stand now how guys are, are how we're wired. You know, a lot of guys are not gonna like the 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 healthy options out there. You know, mm-hmm. and so we have to come from a standpoint of from experience and hey, this is what good. good this is the good that happened from my experience of these options that I've chosen. Mm-hmm. I'm just putting it out there. Don't you want to be healthy? Don't you want to be well? Uh, Do you want to be on your A game and all aspects of your life? Of course, the cops are going to say yeah, so that's when they're, you know. Put in the work. Put in the work, man.
2: Yeah, (laughs) and and the thing is, you know, a lot of times with, I I liked what you said about um, kind of getting through it on your own and then thinking about it. Like when you're in the thick of it, you don't really want to share it with people. And I've been guilty of this too, where like when I have a problem, I don't talk about it when I'm going through it, but when I'm done, it's kind of like this ego thing. Like, oh, look at what I, look at the, my, you know, the mountain that I conquered or something. Yeah, You know, I, I just, I don't want people to help me with the climb, even though it probably would be a lot easier that way. Um, it, it, it's weird there's a, there's a weird amount of ego with it too.
1: Ego, pride. I think innately, like you're you're right. Like we don't want help because help from someone other than ourselves is looked usually as failure. And that's just the furthest from the truth. You know, exactly. so, yeah. um, again, it's a, re- it's a reprogramming thing for a lot of us. And mm-hmm. if, you know, so if, if I were to get more guys together and if, and I think we would all admit that we work better when we kind of like all collectively, like talk through some things and get, get help. Mm-hmm. And, um, but individually we're not going to like admit that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We love you to know. conform to that. Right, 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 right. So yeah um so like again you know based on my experience I've, I've seen so many things out there where i i could quickly recognize when a guy's in that isolation denial pride like yeah. state and then you ask certain questions you know and as long as i know who i am and what i'm about they usually don't question my um you know the reason behind me questioning i'm gonna ask some questions and because i'm here to help
2: do you have a criteria where Kind of like a like a checklist where you make sure that this person is in a certain frame of mind before you help them, because you know a lot of times in my experience, when I have tried to help a few of my friends, and they're just not mentally ready for it, or right. they're not, they don't have the right attitude. You know, we can do anything for them, and mm-hmm. it just won't happen. Do, do do you approach a situation like that? Or I have do a, you just, I
1: have yeah. a, like a rough. It's not you know, I don't have like a like a written down checklist. But yeah, the checklist is like, okay, um, are they tr- are they truly do they want to get healthier or get better? Mm-hmm. Um, or are they still in denial? Um I'm a firm believer that advice requires permission, right? So I'm not gonna gonna bombard them with a whole bunch of questions and, you know, getting all in their in their mess, mm-hmm. right? Unless I have permission to do so. Um but I will uh, be vulnerable on my own To kind of like help jump start A conversation Right You know And if they don't open up They don't open up But you okay. know Like you know Whether it's me Working with students Or the adults That I train and coach um, When you're vulnerable And when you're relatable When you, when you share your story Over time when you, when you build these relationships At some point Someone's gonna hit you With something Where you're like Alright now they're ready You know mm-hmm. So uh, Tangible checklist No but in my, I just know you know, just, yeah. just through time and experience and just discernment. Like, yeah, it's, you know, I could, this person is ready to kind of like improve their life.
2: I, I think you've internalized an identity of being a mentor. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to ask you, what is something that has been unexpected in this entire journey of yours where you've been mentoring, you know, young men and, and and you know, other, other people as well? Mm-hmm. What is something that you maybe unexpectedly learned about yourself or learned about the, you know, idea of... Isolation or regression or something like that. Uh,
1: something I've learned about myself, mm-hmm. I would say, um, I would say what I'm doing now, like the fact that like people have acknowledged and identified that Heath, you're you're pretty good at this whole uh, relational thing with people, <laughs> where you can help them and coaching them up to be better human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five years ago, that was the furthest thing from the truth, right? What was it like five years ago? Um, I was super unhealthy. I was down in adults. I lacked self worth. I was just, I was un- unhealthy. I never thought I would be I would be working at a major church. I would be helping so many be- people, building communities, um, being a go to for um, people trying to connect me with them to like, get them right in certain aspects of their lives Mm. I never thought that would be a reality and it it is now um yeah so I'm just I'm just amazed at how far I've come you know where I could you know pay it forward and trying to you know help mentor whether it's young men through the volunteer work I do now still as well as the the friendships and communities that i have been able to like get going and and be healthy and thrive in this Atlanta area just Mm -hmm. through relationships and just being vulnerable and
2: being real If you could time travel back to five years ago and somehow, you know, I'm not going to get into the metaphysics of it because it's probably impossible. (laughs) I don't have a degree in any of that. But if you could go back in time five years ago, meet yourself and, you know, not cause a time paradox Mm -hmm. and um, give yourself some advice, you know, what are some things that you would tell yourself?
1: I would tell myself that be encouraged because all this pain, all this, all these experience are sharpening you and preparing you for something greater and so just learn and grow and just go through it
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode of six feet above i'm your host megan armstrong subscribe so you never miss another episode and follow me on instagram at six feet above podcast to keep the conversation going Tune in next week for a brand new episode. This episode is a product of Audiographies, produced by Dinor Sapolia, edited by Jacob Smolian, and the music was by Keenan Willis, funded by yours truly. I'll see you next time.